Welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. This is Tim Winders, your host. I'm a coach for business owners, executives, and leaders. My wife and I consider ourselves nomads, and we currently travel, live, and work in our 39-foot RV. We named him Theo also, by the way. My portion of the podcast is being recorded from the passenger seat of this mobile office. I want to encourage you to listen to the end of the podcast, all the way to the end, because at the end, we're gonna include ways that you can continue this conversation that we start today by connecting with us directly. So make sure that you do that, stay to the end. Today, I boy, I'm excited about this podcast. I'm, I'm excited about everyone I interview, but this one's gonna be fun on multiple levels. I have Chris Starin as our guest. Chris is an award-winning filmmaker behind Bringing Up Bobby, the films Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls. He's also the author of the dramatic Christian thriller, Cradle Robber. What a great name. His heart is for, yeah, his heart is for people who are on the outside edges of popular Christianity. I love this term. Listen to this. The underrepresented, the skeptics, those hurt by the church. He is the producer of the Truce podcast. And I'll just go ahead and tell everybody that's the reason I wanted to get Chris on the show because I want to do a deep dive into his motivation and how he created it and really a lot of the, a lot of the, um, episodes that he's done there. Truce is a vehicle to express the unmet needs of the outsiders. When he's not juggling all that, he enjoys hiking, cross-country skiing, improv comedy, and teaching Sunday school. Chris, welcome to the Seat Go Create podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm so thrilled to be here. Yeah, I think this is going to be lots of fun. First thing I like to do, this is my first question. I gave, I gave the glowing uh, bio and everything awesome about Chris, but you know, we're on an elevator or we're on a ski lift or we're doing a short hike. What do you do? Tell me. Hey, Chris, what do you do? What do you do? What do I do? I, uh, I like he said, I'm Chris. I'm the host of the Truce podcast. And Truce is a history show that looks inside the Christian church, often exploring the things that glom onto Christianity so we can figure out how we got here and how we can do better. Yeah. So that's that's usually my elevator pitch. So so this is like very current because I was, uh, you know, I'm a business guy, a lot of business things going on, but, and we're an entrepreneur space here, but we don't shy away from faith and, 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 and those things. But I was actually journaling this morning. I was spending some time in prayer, writing out. I kind of was talking to the Lord and I said, Lord, you know, I've got all these projects and this and that, and you know, the world's kind of doing all this weird stuff right now. What is it that you really want to do? And he says, don't overcomplicate things. He said, he said, it's true. Uh, all that I've told you to do has not changed. Love me and love people. Mm -hmm. And I went, it's amazing. Yeah. For all the crazy, complicated things that I talk about on my show, it keeps coming back to the very basic things about Christianity are the hardest ones for us to do. Love your neighbors yourself, you know, love the Lord, your God with all your heart. You know, it, the, the, there's the hardest ones visit the widows and orphans. You know, it's, it's much easier for us to ignore that stuff. So yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. There's a couple of things that I want to get to before we really go into Truce, the podcast, which is really what I want to cover a great deal. Yeah. But the first thing is, tell us what part of the world you're in. I think it's one of the favorite, my favorite places. And I'm going to kind of get you to paint a picture of what's going on this time of year. But tell us where you yeah. are. Yeah, I'm in Jackson, Wyoming, which uh, if you've ever been to Grand Teton or Yellowstone, we are just south of that. Um, so it's a beautiful spot. 
Uh, it is fraught with its own issues. Uh, we have the greatest income disparity in the United States because uh, we have the wealthiest people in the United States here, as well as uh, some recent immigrants who came here with the clothes on their backs. Um, so it's it's a huge um, ministry field, uh, and uh, we have a huge Hispanic population. Uh, it's 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 a place if you're looking for a place to be a missionary in the United States, think about Jackson, Wyoming, because we need a lot of help. <laughs> well, interesting. This is a total sidebar. But if I could find a place to park my 40 foot RV, I'd come to Jackson all day long because yeah. we love it there. All right. We're we're recording this late April. You know, I don't know when it's going to release. There's a lot of things going on in the world. Yeah. What's the weather like? What's happening there weather wise? And and yeah. first of all, are you safe and well in the folks around you? Uh, yes, praise God. We are we are safe. Um, so me and my family back home in Ohio, uh, everybody's been safe. We thought we were exposed to the coronavirus a few weeks ago, but uh, praise God, we weren't. Um, we, you know, I have to have roommates. It's a very expensive town, um, and so that means that there's a lot of extra risk. You know, there's a lot of extra people uh, who live here, uh, and you can't manage them. So um, yeah, uh, praise God, we we've been healthy so far, um, though to uh to make money because uh, podcasting hasn't quite taken off yet and with all the movies and stuff it sounds very impressive uh but i drive a school bus uh in order to make ends meet um and uh and that means exposing myself to a lot of disease all the time <laughs> yeah. so i'm just praying that uh that uh, god will keep me safe because um, they're talking about opening school here at the middle of may Ooh, wow. That'll yeah. be interesting. You know, I, you, you, spoke, you brought up the roommates. I actually read something. I read a lot of business news. And this yeah. morning I was reading that uh, they're doing some studies on Procter & Gamble and all the products that are really hot and being sold and the ones that aren't during mm -hmm. this time that we're all in. And by the time this airs, I am really hopeful that everything will be going great. I actually do think we're going to have some economic challenges as well as some ongoing link things going on with this but I'm just want you know trying not to date where we are because it could be on into the summer before this releases right. but I do want to say that that I think it was Procter and Gamble or one of the large companies was reporting that uh, shampoo body soap and deodorant sales have been really really dropping since people have been working from home and there was some concern with people in roommate situations that it could get a little bit I don't know skanky or whatever like that are y'all doing okay with that or y'all yeah are we've got yeah we've got great roommates really uh so we'll we'll exercise together and stuff but uh yeah you know here in the living room we've got some p90x dvds that we've been doing uh but uh yeah we everybody's been courteous because it's a small place uh it's a very small place okay uh, yeah i mean you're in an rv you know how it is recording these poor guys have been holding still and keeping quiet while I've been doing all my podcasting this week. Yeah, good. Just yeah. wanted to make sure that y'all were maintaining your hygiene and all and, and not being slack yes. with that. So anyway, yeah, good check. Good yeah, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right. I, I, I love podcasts and I love the truce podcast and, awesome. uh, and, and I want to really have discussion about it. But the, the thing that I was, when I looked at your bio, I realized I didn't do any research and I usually, if someone's got a book, I read it before I interview them. Wow. I apologize. I did not. So it's what okay. I, you and you and the rest of the world, it's fine. <laughs> no, is it a stealth book? Did you put out a stealth book? 
Uh, no, no, yeah, it's a real book. I promise. Yeah. Oh, good. Okay. All right. So do this for us before we get into truce. Tell us about you. You've done movies. You've you've done a book. Mm -hmm. Give us a little overview of the movie. I've got bringing up Bobby between the walls, yeah. and then and then we'll talk a little about Cradle Robber, Cradle Robber before we get into the actual sure. podcast. Yeah, so uh, we, my brother and I, uh, were twins. Uh, we made two feature-length Christian films. We also made two DVDs of shorts. Um, but uh, uh, bring uh, between the walls is about a man who uh, has always struggled with his dad, um, and a lot mm -hmm. of people, their father is their sort of stand-in for God, and so whatever they believe about God is because of their father. Right. Um, and his dad was an ogre. Uh, and he finds out after his dad's passing that his, his dad was audio recording everything that ever happened in the house. Um, and so he is then faced with these horrible memories. He can hear his whole past um, and has to deal with his father and his issues with God. Um, so that one is very much about anger and, and hurt and overcoming that. Um, and then uh, bringing out Bobby as a comedy, it's about a, a young goth kid uh, who is challenged by his older brother to figure out who he is and what he believes before life gets complicated. And of course, because it's a comedy, life gets really complicated. And uh, he, uh, uh, it, it's, it's a very funny, silly family film. And that one's on uh, Pure Flix, if anybody has it. And we're working to get it on Hoopla, and uh, which a lot of uh, libraries have. So you might be able to get it at your library soon. Um, and we're trying to get it back on Amazon if we can. Uh, there's just a lot going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, but one of the things like, well, there, there are a lot of themes that kind of run through all the work that I've done. But one of the themes is trying to create compassion towards people who are kind of marginalized. And uh, I used to volunteer with uh, Youth for Christ uh, back in Ohio. And we had a lot of goth kids that were in our group. And uh, I realized that they were the, the sweetest and often the most intelligent kids in the group. Uh, but uh, adults were afraid of them at first because they were wearing, you know, cl uh, clothing that is dark. And um, uh, so we wanted to make a lovable main character who was a goth kid, mm -hmm. who was intelligent and sweet and uh, a little awkward. And, uh, and so that, yeah, bringing up Bobby was the result of that. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Interesting. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like both the themes where you got comedy and you have serious but oh, both yeah. of them deal with somewhat of a generational divide, deal yeah. with, uh, and, and I totally agree, many, many times the the parents, our relationship with parents, father especially, mm -hmm. impacts our relationship with father. Father with God, yeah, it's Heavenly Father true. God. Yeah. And, and listen, as a, as a parent, I could tell you we could never measure up. So it is kind of a shame mm -hmm. at times that that that's the lens that people look at their relationship with, with heavenly father is how weak we are. And, you know, kind of another sidebar, I always wear black, but I've, I've rarely been called goth. It's really more of a yeah. minimalist, simple thing. So. <laughs> hey, Steve Jobs did it all the time. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a good comparison. Thank you. I appreciate that. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so anyway, so what was the time frame on when you did those books mm -hmm. and, and, uh, yeah, so the movies, uh, we finished filming my uh, Bring Out Bobby, the second film, by the, before I was 25. Um, so that came out, I want to say it was like 2007, 2008, somewhere in there it came out. So this was a while ago. 
Um, but uh, after that time, uh, the the film market got really bizarre because that's when streaming really kicked in. Right. Um, and uh, so if you remember, those of us old enough to remember Hollywood Video, uh, if you would go and, and go to Hollywood Video and pick up our movie and carry it out, we would get just a little less than a dollar every time you did that. Uh, mm. Well, our distributor wouldn't take a little cut. Um, but and it, that's whether you watch the movie or not. But now with streaming, uh, we get um, six cents per hour watched um, on Amazon. Uh, so if you watch the whole movie all the way through, we would get nine cents. But that's that hinges on you actually watching the movie. Uh, so the bottom kind of fell out of the market. Um, uh, it's really, really hard to, buy, uh, to make movies and pay for them now. Um, so what a lot of Christian films are doing is going to the theaters. Um, but uh, the Christian films are tough. It's like podcasting in that you're doing every job yourself, uh, but there are a lot more jobs to do in a movie. <laughs> so you have to be like an expert marketer, an expert filmmaker. Uh, you have to know how to get things into theaters and uh, it's, it's a mess. Um, so the market just got to be too much for us. Yeah. One um, thing that's interesting about that, this is, I don't think we want to go down this path, but with, with what's going on, I read a recent article about the theater industry, not the movie industry, but the actual people go in a theater, pile in right. for, they live off blockbusters mm -hmm. that put 200, 300, 400 plus plus people in a room for, it used to be an hour and a half. We know that that doesn't happen anymore. Now it's three, three hours for, you know, things like Avengers Endgame and things like that. Right. And they're really questioning that model if it is even going to to work in the near future with all that's happened. And they're really wondering what movies will look like. I think we might see a transition. Maybe it'll be some doors opening up for people with talents and skills like you. It's possible. Yeah. Uh, so that that's the the hole that a lot of independent Christian filmmakers are going down now. So these theaters are looking for something. They can then plan basically a live event in their theater where they can split the ticket costs and then uh, sell popcorn and all that stuff. Because popcorn and uh, the reason the snacks are so expensive is because that is what pays for the movie theater to stay open. Um, it's not the movie. Um, uh, they actually kind of get a raw deal, especially from Disney. Um, so, uh, for all those Disney fanatics out there, <laughs> I could trash talk Disney all day, but, uh, they, uh, they, they are not really good to movie theater owners. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, uh, that is opening a door for independent filmmakers to go in and make those partnerships. Uh, but that's tough because there's a lot of theaters around the country. And so you as an independent theater or a Christian filmmaker on top of being an expert in making your movie and writing a story and stuff have to also be an expert in releasing your film. <laughs> yeah. It's too much. Yeah. It is. It is. You know, I had an interview recently. I think it, I think it'll be releasing here uh, in the next few days, but it's, it was with Phil Cook. He's a Hollywood producer and movie guy. And yeah. He's a follower just like we are. And he's, he's in that scene. In fact, I may need to connect you to because uh, he actually has been very successful in that arena mm -hmm. and he's done quite a bit. He actually has a media company that's done Super Bowl commercials and he's done a lot of movies that have actually now moved into the theater or online and different things. So it is, a, it is a challenging thing. I guess I would love to believe that people with that kind of skill 
there may be something that can break through with all of that's going on. So keep, mm -hmm. don't, don't give up. I know you won't. I know, I know you won't. Oh so. yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I've, I've fallen in love with podcasting because it's so much more versatile for me. Um, I don't yeah. have to worry. Uh, you know, you don't have to worry as much about people paying you. Uh, it's not as expensive to release. Uh, you don't have to get clearances on, on, you know, if I had a big Coca-Cola logo behind me, I'd have to get a clearance on that. Um, but yeah. I don't have to do that for audio because there are no, there are no visuals. Uh, I just love that. Uh, so audio has kind of uh, taken my heart, I guess I'll say. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you're, you're excellent at it. Okay. Before, before we get to the audio, tell me about Cradle Robber. Cradle Robber. Yeah. It's kind of a deceptive title. Um, so uh, you'll see a lot of my work kind of revolves around anger. Uh, I guess I, I've kind of have struggled with, I always want to make the world look and function like I want it to. Uh, you know, I think a lot of us are like that. Is that your diabolical so, uh, plan? It, or are you like, uh, you know, like a <laughs> total control? Is that what you're working towards? <laughs> no, 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 not at all. Almost the opposite. But like, I, I really want to know how things work and why people act the way they do. So usually for me, like, uh, if I disagree with something or if something if I'm angry at somebody, if I can just figure out what their motivation is, I can calm down and I'll be fine with it. Uh, but until then, I go crazy. Like in my brain, I just can't stop thinking about it. Um, so there's uh, in the book, uh, there's uh, there's a man who mentors this young lady. And it's kind of a dark book. I hate to say I just talking about a comedy, but uh, he um, he's been mentoring this young lady and she find out finds out that she's pregnant um, and she's a teenager and uh, the, the boyfriend won't let her keep the baby, uh, wants to have an abortion, so she gets the abortion. Um, and she's so grief-stricken that she commits suicide. This is chapter one. <laughs> um, but uh, the mentor feels like, like he's failed so much and he's, 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 he's lost it and he's tried so hard with people and hasn't seen any outcome. So he invents a time machine and goes back in time and convinces um, that young man's mother to abort him so it's basically an eye for an eye um this kid aborted somebody i'm going to have him aborted um and so he then becomes god in his own eyes basically he's trying to create the world in his image um rather than let vengeance be gods um and so i i i, th I chose that issue because it's so such a hot button issue and so many of us get all tied up in knots about it um but we forget that there are people on the other side Right. Um, and we forget that our anger can do just as much damage um, and and can destroy lives as well. Um, and so that that's the, the main thing, because he basically flushes his life down the, the toilet to uh, to enact vengeance. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a really dark romance book. Uh, it's got time travel in it. Uh, I uh, the Christian uh, uh, publishing market is very much focused on uh Amish novels, Amish romance, and uh, period pieces. And so they were not at all interested in picking up the book. <laughs> um, so I've self-published that one. Um, but you can find it on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Or uh, I'd love for you to read it and give me some comments. You know, I, I actually, I'm going to go find it and read it. I'm, yeah. I, I read quite a bit. And I have just finished uh, my first novel, which is oh. sort of a similar genre. You know, is it Christian? Yeah. Not particularly but it's got a spiritual tone to it and yeah. uh and and i will go ahead and give away chapter one there is uh not a suicide necessarily but there is an attempt that occurs yeah. so it's kind of light and airy too but 
but wow, to bring in time travel, that is like the ultimate to me in storytelling. Now, I've got to go down this road, too. Yeah. If if someone starts going back and messing with it, and, and you know, mm-hmm. some people will know this reference, aren't you messing with the space-time continuum? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, well, that's the thing. I, I think I feel like every writer has a time travel novel in them. And, and needs to get it out, first of all. Get it out, have fun with it, it's great. But there are, of course, lots of contradictions. You're never gonna get it right. So just lean into it. Um, there, that Probably the best time travel book I read was uh, Michael Crichton's Timeline. I don't know if you read that one. Mm. The movie's not great, uh, it's really not great, but the, the book is excellent. Um, and he gets into a lot of those sort of weird questions. Um, like uh, the, the biggest one that I thought was fascinating uh, in order to send you back in time, they had to destroy you in the present. So it's like, were you, are, when you come back, are you you or are you a different person? Like a, par- a parallel, yeah. Is it, it a parallel yeah. you or a... Yeah. Does the soul travel with it? You know, does, is that just like the molecules in the same place or is that really the same person? It's a fascinating book. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's, there's so much I, I used to, I, as I've been writing, um, and working more on story, which is which is quite a stretch for me. I'm not the storyteller. I look at people like you and 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 people like my son and others that are real storytellers, and I'm I'm working on that. Yeah. Uh, actually, I'm working on capturing it. I think I could tell stories. I just can't capture it. And and I used to joke. I kind of have some people around me that are that I bounce ideas off of. And part of the jokes that I have is I say, you know what? You could fix any plot point with time travel. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you can. Just, yeah, it just may not. It may not work, but you know, you never know. Or the old uh, "it was a dream the whole time" thing. Uh, you know. Uh, so I, I read, find that unsatisfying. I read, I read, I think it was Stephen King that wrote a book and it might've been 1963 or something like that. It was a lesser known Stephen King book, but it fascinated me because what the premise of this book was, is that someone recognized that one of the pivot points of history was the assassination of JFK. Right. And JFK was assassinated the day that I came home from the hospital. I don't re- remember that day, but I've got, you know, newspaper headlines and things like that. Wow. And so I've always been fascinated by that time. And Stephen King's point was, is that this person all of a sudden found a time portal. They went back and they were attempting to go back a few years prior to 63 to somehow be there in Dallas to prevent the assassination of JFK. And yeah. so anyway, that, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. Thanks for sharing the story of Cradle sure. Robber. I'm going to go read it and, yeah. uh, and then maybe we'll have a conversation about that either online or offline. We'll decide that later. Please do. Yeah. I, I would say like, uh, if you're going to form an opinion of me, start with the podcast, go to the movies, then go to the book. I, <laughs> I, I tried my darndest, uh, but, uh, yeah, I, yeah. Start with the podcast. <laughs> so, so at heart, Chris, are you a storyteller? Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm a reluctant storyteller. Reluctant? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm a reluctant storyteller because uh, I'm one of those people that uh, I don't think I have much of a choice uh, with the, the telling, telling stories. And uh, sometimes that gets in the way of life. I mean, I'm driving a school bus still uh, to try to pay for that. I kind of wish I was uh, like, sometimes wish I was like a, a born businessman instead. <laughs> um, but I, sometimes... I get these 
burdens on me where it's like, I have to tell this thing. I have to address this issue. Um, and the podcast has really helped me uh, kind of get that stuff off my chest. Uh, so I get to investigate uh, things that are on my mind, things that are weighing me down, and then hopefully like help other people th through that journey. Um, like I said, I get kind of bothered if I don't know how we got to a conclusion. Um, and so I like to learn how we got to that thing. Um, so that's, it's, I do the show as much for myself as I do for others. Um, but I do it. Yeah. Like I say, reluctantly sometimes, cause I, I enjoy, I love doing the podcast. Uh, but sometimes it's a lot of work. It's an insane amount of work actually. Um, so it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't have a choice to do it. So I just have to. So, so would that mean, are you more, cause I also know that you, you're in a comedy, you, you know, you do comedy yeah. and stand up, which that's a, that might be like a whole separate podcast to have <laughs> conversation about that. Um, <clears throat> but, but I, I guess what I like to do is I like to try to peel back a few layers and, and identify like you motivation. And, yeah. and I, I do have a business bent. I've done business. Right. I've, started things and I've had money flow in and flow out and all those, all those things. So I'm always impressed with people that can create art. And I just have a bit of a, maybe it's naive that art can yield financial reward or provision mm -hmm. is a, is a spiritual term possibly. Yeah. But, but so as, and when you were younger was, was art performance, was that something that that drove you, that gave you passion, that you got energy from, or is it something you developed later? At, at what point did performing or creating these things? When did you realize you had that? Yeah, well, uh, I I want to say I had two very very supportive parents. Um, they're fantastic, uh, and so my I, my I have a twin brother, but I also have an older brother. And he was very much involved in soccer. So we, we, he was on three soccer teams at one time, at one point. Um, and so we were, I basically spent a lot of my childhood at soccer fields, not playing soccer. <laughs> and Yay, so, that's, that's gotta be fun. <laughs> yeah, it's gotta be fun. Uh, and so my, my twin brother and I had to entertain each other. And so we would make up stories. We would try to make each other laugh, you know. And so I think it kind of all began there, just trying to like not go insane. Uh, watching soccer all the time and uh, uh, which I know would be some people's dream. Uh, it's, it's not mine, but um, uh, so that's kind of where it all started. And then I, I wrote my first young adult book when I was uh, 11 and 12 years old. Um, and my, my mom self helped me self publish it. Hmm. Um, so she found an artist to do the cover work and uh, we had a local printer in Cleveland, uh, North coast litho, which is still in business uh, print up the book. And, uh, and so we put it in stores. We went like bookstore to bookstore and, and got some consignment copies on the shelves. And, you know, I made 60 bucks or something like that. And, uh, and so I think my mom helped me kind of plant that uh, creative thing in there. But I, I, I've never been a business guy. I know some people are really um, born with that. They're, they're leaders, they're business people. Um, leadership I, I probably shouldn't say this on a leadership podcast, but leadership bores me to tears. Um, as far as like studying it, uh, I tend to think I'm more of a profit type, um, which is like the, the least desirable of all the gifts that are listed in the Bible, um, because you end up getting this message 
that you're kind of reluctant about often. You see the prophets constantly wrestling in the old, in the old they, Testament. They weren't the most popular guys around, were they? No. <laughs> they. I mean, you get the, I, I get the idea that they didn't even like themselves sometimes. Uh, I mean, you look at Jonah and he's just like, hates this message, this burden he's got. But it's not going to, he's not going to be able to rest until he gets it out, you know. Um, and I kind of feel that's where I am. Uh, so I'm not a natural born business guy, but I'm this person who get like, I'm not going to say, thus saith the Lord that I got this message from the Lord because I rarely know that. Um, but I get these burdens um, and I have to, I have to figure it out. <laughs> well, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to say something and I want us to remember that we said it first here. Okay. Oh, okay. And this yeah. may be prophetic, but the actual study of leadership is somewhat of a cult-like um, thing in our culture. And it is, it, yeah. to say that there are so many people studying it. And here's the reason why they do, because they think that's what they're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And, and really leadership really should spill out of who you are and what your yeah. purpose and passion is. So to me, what you just said, Chris, is more leadership than a lot of people out there that put leader on their tagline or whatever. And I'll, e- I'll even go so far as to say that in the environment that we're currently in, I had this conversation with someone yesterday that the way we look at leaders and leadership, I really do think is going to change. And people that are getting messages forth, I guess what this may be the way of saying it, the age of the prophets could be returning. <laughs> How about that? Okay, sure. Yeah, why not? You're going to have a lot of neurotic people walking around. Yeah, that'll be great. (laughs) No, 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 no. But a lot of people that are hearing from the Lord, a lot of people that are spending quiet time listening and saying, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? It's like, oh, you want me to say that, Lord? It's going to ruffle a few feathers. Say, no, you know what? We're in an age where some feathers need to be rough, be rough, and 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 you've yeah. got the strength and the talent. That's what you've got with this podcast. You've got the strength and talent. All right. Speaking of that, yeah. I'm going to shift yeah. slightly, but that's a great segue. I am going to read. I think I either pulled this from uh, some feedback or it might have been your website, but I'm going to read a review that someone gave the Truce podcast because it really spoke to me. And, and then I'm going to let you respond to that. And that's going to be our lead into talking about this podcast. Okay. And I, they didn't have a name with it. So I hope I'm not, not giving credit. I don't think it did, but it says, this is a person that's talking about the truce podcast. I am 0% Christian. And I have listened to and liked exactly two podcasts in my whole life. I am now adding to that list of two truths. That's pretty awesome if they're only like, they listen to two podcasts and one of them's truths. (laughs) And then they say, they go on to say, listen, I am just as surprised as you are. It really is excellent. If you are human, regardless of religious affiliation, who is interested in history and society, this podcast will be interesting to you. Now, I wanted to read that. And then ask you the question, what made you want to start the Truths Podcast? 
Mm-hmm. Oh, I <laughs> I didn't think I was going to get emotional. Anyway, so <laughs> that's uh, I don't know that that kind of stuff is so thrilling to me. I don't know. Uh, praise God. That's all I could say. But um, I uh, um, after the 2016 election, uh, presidential election in the United States, um, a lot of my friends and I have friends all across the spectrum, uh, conservative, liberal, I mean, really everything that you can think of. (laughs) I've got friends um, and that's the way I like it. Um, uh, And and it it seemed like people were either super angry or really confused or hurt, or maybe all of those things at the same time um, after that, just trying to understand what was going on in the world. And and a lot of that kind of came back to Christianity because uh, part of President Trump's whole platform was kind of talking about faith as if uh he's a christian um and uh, we have a whole episode in the season one about uh what his faith actually looks like um and christianity is a giant umbrella um it you know it really is a giant that the term is very broad um and uh um so i wanted to kind of address those hurts and pains not again not just for the audience but for myself uh because a lot of the stuff most of the episodes that i do i don't know what the ending is going to be when I start research again, because um, I I often don't know anything about the topic before I start, um, and uh, and so it's really fun to kind of come to those conclusions. But um, part of that goal has been to, if you're going to reach people um, who are confused and hurt, you have to have kind of a light touch, um, and uh, and so frequently I'm trying to get people to a point where they can see what's going on, and then I want to walk away. Um, instead of just being like dogmatic and being, you know, whoever this person is, whoever this person I'm talking about is from the devil, you know, and it's, uh, you know, like that. And some people are from the devil, but uh, I, you know, unless the Lord tells me I, and I, I don't hear from him like a clear voice very often. um, I'm not going to do that. Uh, I just want to kind of show people what pieces are moving and then leave it to them to kind of put, put those pieces together. Um, So, Praise God, you know, I, uh, I, I've been fortunate that I, uh, I think that a, a good number of our listeners, or my listeners are um, non-Christians. And that's just really touching to me. Uh, it's really- a I was gonna ask them. you who your audience was. So do you, do you kind of have a, yeah. a scope? Are they non-Christian, Christian people that have kind of yeah. are questioning the church, people questioning political environment? Tell us a little bit more about who you think your audience is. We're always trying to define, but who, do you, who is your audience? Yeah, it, I, I, I would say it's generally people who are frustrated and they could be frustrated on, in a number of different ways. Uh, so Christians who are frustrated being tied to things like pyramid schemes, uh, you know, like why why are we being tied up by those things, or political movements? Uh, you've got people who are uh, just who are interested in faith, uh, but don't like all the things that Christianity's gotten tied up in. Uh, so it it tends to be those people who are who are struggling, um, who are a little little frustrated. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, all right. So a little bit about me and people that are our listeners probably are aware of this. I at times can be extremely irritated by what I call churchianity, the Americanized church, first world church. And I'm, and I use the term small C, not big C. I think we have to distinguish 
because a lot of what we see that is called church today really isn't a scriptural, it doesn't have scriptural right. foundation. And so, so that could be one of the reasons I'm drawn to you. I could be somewhat of uh, someone like that too. But, but listen, the, the reason I love the title is because it, it kind of has elements of truth and surrender and and bringing people together i don't know if that's part of the 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 reasoning behind it but um but i do want to kind of point blank say do you have an agenda do i i mean ultimately the goal is to bring people back to what is the gospel that that's the whole agenda um because we can get tied up in political movements and pyramid schemes and things but that's it yeah i'm not trying to stump for you know, conservatism, liberalism. I've had people say, are you a socialist or are you a conservative? Like they just straight up don't know what I, I believe. And I try to create that aura of mystery around that. Um, I don't want the show to become Chris's, uh, you know, political hour. Uh, It's, it's more about how did these things that glom onto Christianity get there? So my, my whole agenda is to try to figure out how those things got there and how we can do better than that. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that yeah. can be extremely complex because we have so many things you use the word glom on so many things yeah. that have piled on, like to ask another blunt question, is God a Republican? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I haven't seen how he votes. Um, but uh, <laughs> I can say I'm pretty confident he's not, let's just go ahead and I'm throw pretty it. Confident. I'm pretty confident he's not a Democrat too. Uh, but you know, uh, I, I think one of the things is I've, I've been rereading the the gospels lately. One of the things that fascinates me about Jesus is how almost dismissive he is of political leadership. Yeah. Um, you know, when they, when they come to him asking about, should we pay taxes? He, he gets a coin from them and he says, whose picture is this? Give that guy the coins. And it's just like end of discussion. <laughs> It's not, uh, what should the tax rate be? Or can I get around taxes? Is it okay for me? No, it's just pay the guy the money and move on because that's not the big deal. The big deal is you've got the son of God walking around with you. Uh, and I, I think that's, we get caught up in all these things uh, that distract us from that that real message. But I think that's natural. I mean, it's we get into one of the episodes here. I, I created this game, uh, three games of Capture the Flag, where we discuss, is the United States an empire? Um, it's a it's a it's a wacky ridiculous idea, um, and you can actually download the curriculum uh, by joining my email list. Um, uh, if depending on when this comes out, so that'll be out in the end of June. And uh, um, uh, one of the reasons I wanted to discuss that stuff was because it is very difficult for us to be both a Christian and an American. Uh, because the Bible does not speak to absolutely everything that there is to be an American. There's no voting in the New Testament. You know, there's a, <laughs> uh, we, we are called to obey leaders, but as Americans, we are also told that we can choose those leaders and hold those leaders accountable, which is like a system that just flat out didn't exist in Roman times. Um, so it's it's complex. We're trying to apply the Bible to areas where the Bible does not directly fit i mean there are concepts that that cross over but you don't see jesus saying 
make sure you get early to your polling place, you know, or something like that. You know, uh, make sure voting, you voting voting by mail is not <laughs> right. And you, yeah, and you'll see people on you know, especially on social media, who will make big bold statements that you know, voting early is biblical or something. And you're like, no, it, it's truly not. You know, like we we have this really bad habit of taking things that we like and calling them biblical. And it's like, no, just let the Bible be the Bible and let the things you like be the things you like. That's totally fine. But, uh, the, you know, keep keep the main mission the main yeah. mission. I think that's, that's what I keep coming back to. I think confirmation to. bias is such a strong yeah. thing. Social media, they're learning it, they're using it. And, and what people do is they go to scripture and they pluck out a, a scripture that backs up and mm -hmm. confirms, or they've heard it said from the pulpit or for some other place, yeah. you know, similar to you going through the gospels, I've actually been listening to the sermon on the Mount, listening to it, read to me from a Bible app that I have every morning, almost every morning for now, a couple of months as we've entered into this weird season that we're in. And let me just tell you, you want something powerful, Chris? Listen to yeah. what Jesus actually said. Right. It's amazing. I, I would challenge anybody, if even if you're not a believer, um, read the Bible for yourself um, and read it. You can start at the New Testament, start with the book of Matthew if you like. Um, but read it as if you've never heard anybody talk about it before. Uh, like you're discovering it for yourself. Um because you start to see where stuff is is mentioned and where it's not mentioned, the stuff that we like to ignore and the stuff that we kind of build up around versus. Um, it's it's a fascinating exercise because even like you go on Instagram and you see people quoting verses and you're like, if they knew what was around that verse, they would never post that verse. Uh, you know, <laughs> read it for yourself. Uh, and it's not, it's truly not as hard as people yeah. say, especially if you start. Uh, I usually tell people to start in the book of Mark. Because it's like starting, it's like reading the Cliff's Notes to the to the, uh, Jesus's life. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, yeah, start with one of those and just go for it. Because it, the simplicity and the beauty is really fascinating. This, we try to complicate it a lot, but um, it's yeah, it's really beautifully simple. Yeah. Love God, love people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Again, the hardest stuff, though, <laughs> the hardest stuff, and the stuff I struggle with. Um, you know, especially as a guy who struggles with anger. Um, that, yeah, that's where I get caught up. So, so one of the things that I realized because of some of my experiences, the way I'm wired and, and now having a podcast is that I actually find myself at times thinking that I am going to change an entrenched, established societal something. Idol. I'm going to call right. it an idol because I love using that word. Ah. It has, it has so much negative, spiritual dripping connotations to it. Idol, right? And uh, like, like I'll call it the Americanized church or political right. structures or something like that. So what I've been finding, and you just kind of said it, so I'm going to kind of ask if you're observing the same thing, is that in thinking that some of the things I do with this podcast and some things, some books I'm writing, and is that I'm going to change some of those entrenched, <laughs> structured. Right. But yet what's, yeah. what I, I find happy is I'm, I'm actually attracting other people that are just looking for alternatives. What are your thoughts? 
Right. Yeah. Well, and that's that's the kind of the goal of my show. I I I mean, praise God if somebody's heart is softened, uh, who's uh, an extremist on either side. Praise God. That's totally his doing. Um, but my goal is to generally let people who are struggling know that somebody else is thinking through these things too. And maybe I don't have all of the answers. Uh, I certainly don't. <laughs> uh, but uh, at least I'm trying to think. Uh, at least there are Christians out there who are trying to figure things out. Because um, it it can feel very lonely um, if you if you are... A believer and you have questions or if you're interested in christ but you have some questions and you're just not sure um it can feel very lonely out there um but the reality is there are a lot of people who have questions and a lot of people who want to know you know why we got tied up and what we've gotten tied up right in. right so that's that's really the goal i i would be really surprised if my show stopped anybody from having an extreme view <laughs> so one of, one of the things you state though is that your goal is a humble informed church yeah <laughs> and so and that's a big goal that's a big that's old a big goal, goal man how's that working out <laughs> uh well uh yeah you know what i one of the and it, there were a lot of reasons i started the show and one of the reasons was that i was struggling with hating the church and actually that's one of the things that i carried over from the movies um we um we came up uh, making movies at the same time as the Sherwood Baptist guys. Uh, you know, the guys that made uh, Facing the Giants and Courageous. Out of, and out of Georgia. I think they're in South. I, out I lived in Georgia yeah. at the time when they were doing a lot of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. By the way, great guys. At least I, I haven't, I met them in like 2005 or something like that. Really early. Um, uh really nice guys but they went to a mega church and they had all their money handed to them and uh you know because they could just pass the plate once and you know there's fifty thousand dollars to and make facilities a and resources and stand-ins yeah. and some actors and yeah and, amazing and in stuff. many ways though yeah. a lot of the quality portrays that you know some people conversation mm -hmm. i had with phil cook he's at times critical of some of the lower quality Christian entertainment, but they were, they yeah. were getting the message out and they were very diligent about what they were doing. See, and I actually, I fully support what they were doing. The, the anger for me came from that we could never get that. Cause I went to like most Americans, I went to a small church um, and uh, in a working class area where nobody was wealthy, you know, uh, we, we literally, for bringing up Bobby, we got uh, a donation of toilet paper and granola. That's all we got. That toilet paper could uh, be worth get... something today, though, that you actually could probably right, something. something. <laughs> yeah, not back then. Everybody had toilet paper. But um, I, I struggled with a lot of that. Uh, and that, that kind of left me hurt. Uh, so after we stopped making the movies, um, I had a lot of anger towards the church because I saw these people, some people thriving, um, uh, especially those who just only had a positive message and weren't really willing to kind of, you know, talk to the harder issues. Um, and, uh, and then we were struggling constantly. I mean, constantly struggling. Uh, basically everything went wrong in our films. Um, <laughs> I have a story about, I mean, name any part of the production and it went wrong. Um, and uh, so part of my doing the show has been trying to bring myself back to learning to love the church. And part of learning to love the church is recognizing that Christianity is a giant umbrella as a title. So there are going to be people who 
follow the teachings of Norman Vincent Peale, the guy who wrote the, the Power of Positive Thinking, who believed if I just talk positively, then the world's going to come to me. It's basically the secret um, that if you remember that book from Oprah's book club, um, uh, there are the people who believe that there are, mm-hmm. there are, you know, Eastern Orthodox people, there are um, cultural Christians who, you know, my grandfather was a Christian, so that makes me a Christian. Um, so there, and then there are Bible believing, uh, God fearing people. Uh, there's this, it's a whole big thing. So part of me, it's, it's been realizing that there is a, it's a big umbrella, that, that term. Right. Um, and that, and that my hating people uh, or being angry at what God has not given me that he's given other people is not going to get me anywhere. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's some I still struggle with today. You know, I, I see podcasts that are pretty lousy getting to the top and you're like, what, why, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, you know, podcasts that it's like, I know they put the, an hour into that episode and they've got hundreds of thousands of downloads when I'm putting, you know, 20 to 40 hours an episode into mine. Um, but that's, well, I'm sorry about that. That's not I'm go- sorry. I'm not going to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't referring to you. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it doesn't do me any good to be angry about those things. Yeah. It doesn't do me any good to compare where God has put me and where he's put other yeah. people. Um, my goal is to do, my job is to do well with what I've got now. Sure. Um, and I don't always do that. Uh, but, uh, one of the reasons I, I started the church was to learn to love it. Um, and, uh, this has helped a lot, honestly. Yeah. Um, especially connecting with other Christian podcasters. Um, uh, Christian filmmakers are nice people. Christian writers are nice people, but podcasters are way better because we're not really competing with each other, which is awesome. Yeah. It's kind of, it's not a zero sum game that a lot of people think about and, there really isn't limited resources. I don't, I don't believe there's limited resources in any arena that if we're stepping into the assignment that uh, we have in the kingdom, that the provision will be available. And so, and and I think uh, one of the things I like to clarify with you is I, I I don't, I don't know that you, again, something that I distinguish, I don't think you have challenges with the big C church. You've got challenges with a lot of these small C churches that are scattered all over the place. And that, that's me. That's, that's one of the things that I, that I kind of point to. So anyway, well, I want to, I want to make sure I'm watching my time here. I want to make sure we get into a few of the seasons you've done so that we can kind of discuss some of the motivation. But you mentioned something just a second ago that I want to ask a little bit more about as a podcaster and probably as someone who's a, a fan or listening, they would love to know what your process is. And you mentioned, I mean, you've got episodes that are, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes in length, maybe a little bit longer than that, which are great, great, good, perfect, perfect length for me when I get up in the morning and put my AirPod in. But uh, you said it's like a 40 hour process. Can you just talk to us about your process for n- number one, coming up with topic? And I'm going to ask you more about topics later, so you don't have to go into specific, but coming up with topic. And then you've, you've used the term, you use a journalistic approach. I don't think most people know what that is in today's world. So, so talk to us about that. And then I'm going to ask you maybe some specifics about the production. Sure. Hopefully I can remember all that. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
the the process is usually um, I in conversation with my friends or uh, pastors anybody, uh, and I start to see patterns um, emerging. Or uh, in books that I'm reading, I see patterns emerging. So like season three, we're discussing how uh, communism in Russia impacted the American Christian Church, which seems like a ridiculous like you're trying to build an audience and you pick that topic, but. Um, it, the reality is it was in like everything I was reading. I was reading about communism or I was reading about um, the reaction to communism. And so uh, I start just sort of putting pieces together. Um, so usually it just kind of is either in conversation or in the things I'm reading. And then I start to see something emerge. Um, like even I did an episode about Napoleon Bonaparte. Uh, I read Last year, I read four books about him, um, and I, I got one episode out of it. But that was just sort of my pleasure reading, apart from the podcast. And I, I kept seeing uh, all these times that he would pretend to be a religious believer, uh, whether that be Catholic or even a Muslim. He pretended to be a Muslim when he was in Egypt. Um, and I was like, oh, my goodness, he's he's a phony. You know, he's... He's just putting on a face. He's a fake. Uh, and, and so that got an episode out of that because it was just uh, coming up all the time. So usually what happens then is uh, I start researching into a topic um, and trying to figure out what sort of the main interesting points are. Because my show is about the church. I can't just go on about Napoleon for a couple episodes, even though I'd love to. Um, <laughs> and I probably could. Um, uh, and so I, I, I end up researching those things and I try to find uh, people who are experts. And so uh, that uh, can be authors, it can be lecturers or, you know, uh, uh, whatever. I, I just go looking for people. Um, I'll scrounge around on YouTube. I'll look for podcast episodes. I'll look for books, articles, anything, um, anybody who's talking intelligently about something. And again, I'm, I'm usually looking for somebody who is not sort of a rabid um politically leaning person, uh, if I can. Um, I have an episode coming up about labor strikes in the 18 and 1900s, uh, because that was a, I know, who does that in a Christian podcast? <laughs> but uh, it, it's huge. It's absolutely gigantic in, in history. It really shaped the American Christian church. Um, and I, I have to talk to a guy who is a little more left-leaning, and I'm hoping my audience can go with me on that. But um, so then I'll record that interview if I have one. And I will chop it up into little bits. And I use the, the program Hindenburg Journalist to edit. And I'll chop up the bits, name each little bit that I think is useful. And then I'll write a script out. Um, and I'll write my lines. And then I'll put in brackets the name of that clip uh, so I know how to find it. So I basically write out the whole episode uh, before I record it. Then I record it, edit it. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's an insane amount of work. Wow. Uh, yeah, but all the shows that I listen to, almost all the shows I listen to are scripted in some way. Um, and, and usually like NPR style, high quality right. Radiotopia shows. Um, so uh, that's that's the kind of stuff I like to listen to. So that's what I make. Yeah. You know. And, uh, and you know, the cool thing about that is that that's what podcasting allows for. I love yeah. interview. I rarely go story, but boy, I can appreciate it when I hear it. Because I'm sitting here going, what all did Chris have to do to create yeah. that 30 minute or 25 minute? Because the voices and all that goes into it. Yeah. So that's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. Stuff. And you're not seeing all the dead ends that I hit. 
Yeah, I was, I was about to ask because I, I had a lot. Of I was about ends. to ask what's what's the biggest struggle, the biggest the biggest hurdles that you have to overcome during that process. Yeah, I mean the the biggest one is uh, I I would drive a school bus to keep the lights on, um, and so that means uh, I often have to stop where I am in the middle of something where my brain's going 100 miles an hour, and then go drive a bunch of kids around, uh, you know, 60 screaming kids in a bus when you want to be thinking about, uh, you know how did communism come in to be? Uh, so it's, uh, yeah, it can be really mentally frustrating and then physically taxing. Yeah. Um, so, and then another thing, my brother and I both don't sleep very well at night. Um, so I often struggle with um, staying awake um, and just being awake, you know, uh, so I have to get up really early for my job. Uh, we have both have a lot of nightmares at night. Um, so that involves, you know, fighting to stay awake a lot of times. Mm. Um, so there's, there's just a lot of that, you know, I have two full-time jobs essentially. Um, so that, that could be a struggle. The, the, you know, I, I don't want to sound like I'm whining. I really have a great life. Um, but, uh, it, it, it can be a struggle, you know, to try to keep the lights on and school bus drivers don't make a lot of money. So, um, yeah. So I just had an interesting vision though. When, when our kids were younger, they watched this uh, show magic school bus, that uh, Mrs. Frizzle, you know, would use the school bus as a metaphor or a vehicle or literal vehicle and figurative vehicle to take them to different yeah. places and all that. And I actually visualized you doing that, that, that as you were doing oh, the really? school. Anyway, it's kind of weird. Uh, we won't go down that the, road. The buses have made appearances on the podcast. Ah. So, yeah, there's a, an episode called the, the History of the Russian Church, which is one of my favorite ones. Uh, it, it's not a, a, an exciting title, but uh, there's a moment you hear me like on a tour bus, but that's actually a school bus. Um, and so I sat in the back and recorded it in the in the back of the school bus oh. I was driving. And then you can hear a bus driving around and that's that's actually me driving. So we just um, we just got some scandalous inside de- deception <laughs> info. It was not a tour bus. It was an actual not school a bus. tour bus. It was a school bus. You heard it here. And and and, you know, I was not driving while I was talking. I recorded those two things separately. So, so you, you yeah. heard it here, folks. That is that is some good journalism on my part. I'm digging to get the scoop. There you go. Hard hitting stuff. You know, you know, you. Oh, yeah, so you yeah. Well, I was going to say, you do bring up the journalism aspect. Yeah. And I don't think, you know, my wife was in journalism school. This was years ago. And, and, Mm -hmm. and, and we've kind of gone through this transition. I think part of one of the issues that you deal with, with the, the information that we consume is that we're consuming it from people and organizations that we think they use, as you'd say, I think journalistic tools is one of the things you use. Yeah. So I think let's go ahead and distinguish or or educate us. What are journalistic tools? Because to me, a lot of our news today is clickbait. It is just right. And, and yeah. I'm talking about the show. I'm talking about networks. I'm talking about online. It is just a headline or it's a quick grab to get you to stick around or, and, and I don't really, and I mean, I know that's not, I shouldn't yeah. totally generalize, but a lot of it is. Right. So tell us what journalistic tools are. Yeah. But I also, I also say journal, like ever since print, like print media was a thing, it's been the same way. So it's not really a new thing in the world. Uh, we, we tend to want to, uh, unprecedented is the word, the most unused, uh, most overused word in 2020. Um, there's precedence for a lot of this stuff. Um, so, uh, first of all, 
take that into don't don't lose heart. Uh, but when I when I say journalism, I tend to say like uh, uh, journalism uses history. Uh, it uses experts. Uh, it goes out in the field when it can. Um, and so that that's what I mean by journalism is actually like doing the work um, and uh, asking the questions, uh, keeping people who are in power accountable. Uh, those kinds of things uh, are, are what I look for. And I'm, you know, I'm not a trained journalist. I've actually really considered taking that out of my slogan um, because I think it throws people off. Um, plus, I mean, we have a lot of, especially with uh, President Trump uh, trash talking uh, journalists a lot now, uh, we have a, a pretty low view of journalism um, in the country. And I don't think that's great. We're almost, uh, I don't know if I, know if I should put myself in there, but journalists are almost a fourth branch of government. They're yeah. involved in keeping the powerful accountable if they're doing their job right. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I mean, you understand from the business models of what's being expected, you know, you've got places like Buzzfeed who are requiring their writers to write several articles every day. Um, you can't do that and do it well. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't have a 24 hour news station running and do it well. Uh, I don't care how many people you have in the field. Uh, you're going to just, especially like with breaking news, anytime you see breaking news, you have to understand most of this is going to be an inaccurate, yeah. maybe not, you know, incorrect and probably not uh, purposefully incorrect, but it's going to be inaccurate yeah. a lot of times. And, <laughs> and how much breaking news can you really have in a 24 hour time frame? You know, right. what can really be yeah. breaking? And of course, now we're in the midst of, you know, a real situation, you know, COVID-19, mm -hmm. all of that that's going on, right. the economic collapse is going to occur after that to me is going to be more devastating yeah. but that's some things that i'm looking at but yeah, yeah. The, the news what let's say it the, the the media is really really going to use that to their advantage they have to pay bills also yeah, yeah. to right. keep to keep people engaged so there's there's uh, you know the the word bias came up to me when you were talking to oh, yeah. journalistic tool is is really to do all that you can to remove the bias yeah but you have to understand there there's also going to be bias no matter what yeah um, we're human. So you have to be we're an human. educated consumer well yeah but i mean even just the fact that you chose to do a certain story shows you where your priorities are mm. um and so just just the very act of choosing a story right. um and not choosing another story right. is is a is an act of bias so what, um so so what was your bias with uh you know communism and in, in russia and how it impacted uh the american yeah. church i'm about two or three in on that we listened to the sure. romanov stroganoff uh oh yeah the other night after dinner by the way we didn't you know cook along with you but we listened to that one and then <laughs> i think we're up to rasputin or something and i'm like going i think oh, sure. i think i watched one of the movies years ago um Anastasia, I'm going, okay, that oh, was yeah. my framework of history. Is he accurate or not? Let me go back and watch that Anastasia movie again to see if he's, I'm, I'm joking with you. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, I was going to say, because that cartoon is really inaccurate. Uh, <laughs> what? But, uh, Are you kidding me? <laughs> it is. Yeah. Well, I mean, because by that point in the, where the movie takes place, they were both very much dead. So Rasputin and Anastasia. So anyway, um, yeah. So my my bias in, in doing that is uh, I've, I've heard a lot of, of especially Christian leaders use communism and socialism just to beat down any idea that they don't like. Uh, what, you know, that could be healthcare, it could be taxes, whatever. Um, and so it, it, it's come up a lot, especially around Bernie Sanders when he was running. 
because uh, he is a democratic socialist. Um, and uh, and I, I'm okay with you disagreeing with communism and socialism. I too don't agree with them. Um, but to call anything that you disagree with communist or socialist is is just scapegoating. It's yeah. laziness. Uh, you know, it's uh, we our healthcare system is not functioning well. We do need to reform it, but but just name calling doesn't solve anybody solve anything. Um, and so that that was kind of the thing I I came into. Um, I started this this whole season started with me reading a book about uh, how um, corporate America created Christian America, mm. basically. Um, uh, the, 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 what we saw, especially in the fifties and sixties, um, it was, it was kind of created by corporations and, um, uh, I started reading that book and then I realized how much of that was tied up in a fight against communism. Right. And so I, I had to go back I, where I'm the episodes you're going to listen to this summer were the first ones I researched and they are some of the last ones to come out in the series. Uh, cause I wanted to go back and be like, okay, well, how did communism come to be? Because what I didn't want to do was just be like, I, I try to avoid saying creating a those people situation where I can just blame everything on those people, whoever that is, um, because I think that's lazy. Um, and it's really and not it, that simple anyway, is it? It's not no, us, it's them. Not. It's not that it's this group calls the problem, this group are the good guys. It's really not that mm -hmm. simple. No. I mean, especially uh, you look at uh, the late 1800s, early 1900s are fascinating time of history. And we, the United States and Russia were running in very parallel lines. Uh, they were expanding their empire with the uh, Russo-Japanese War. And we were expanding our empire with the Spanish-American War, where we you know, took over Puerto Rico and Guam and um, the Philippines. And, uh, and so we were running parallel. Uh, we were both uh, involved with uh, terrible labor practices uh, where there was no social safety net. Um, you know, people were getting hurt left and right. There were no safety standards. Um, and so they dealt with it by protesting Tsar Nicholas II um, and then eventually ousting him and communism came in. Um, and we dealt with it with labor unions, yeah. uh, which is a form of collectivization in its own. Um, and uh, and then the, the struggle against labor unions, you know, uh, th that was the whole thing that kind of built America in the 1900s. Um, so we, it's easy to demonize all of those people, but you see what they were up against, where their czar wasn't listening to them, and they were in terrible living conditions. It doesn't excuse communism, um, but you see what led to that. Really, if we, if we wanted to have stopped communism, if they wanted to have stopped communism, all they had to do was treat their workers fair yeah that's all they had to do it would have stopped you know uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, so ultimately that's one of the themes of this season is is labor practices same with the united states um yeah. uh, if we just treated people in a fair and generous way the way like we were saying uh do unto others as you'd want done to yourself one of the simple things that jesus tells us to do if we did that we really wouldn't have a lot of the evil we'd have in the world we have in the world yeah um but uh, it's really hard. We're bad at the basics. I remember just, I remember reading years ago, and this is, if you ever want to eat hot dogs, don't read this book, but Upton Sinclair wrote the book, The Jungle, oh, yeah. you know, about yep. the meatpacking industry. And it's like, oh boy, that's a good uh, glimpse into what was going on in those times. But one of the thought I had, and, I'm, and, and I have a couple quick questions as we, as we finish up here. <laughs> one thought that I had recently with all that's going on and, you know, 
plague, famine, all the things we're looking at, I felt compelled to go back and read the story of Joseph in the Old Testament, starting, I think, Genesis 39. And uh, it's real interesting. You want to stir the pot with uh, with some people. If you really study what Joseph did when he was put... You mean enslaving his own people? Well, even let's back up before (laughs) that, before that, because he was slave, prisoner, but yeah. uh, but even then, when he was made second in command prime minister of Egypt, the biggest, baddest country around at that time, Chris, mm-hmm. he implemented socialism mm-hmm. <laughs> to to prepare for the coming famine when there was plenty, the seven years. And then they went full on capitalism <laughs> when they started selling it and trading and people became indebted. So, mm-hmm. so you could actually, within just a few short chapters, look at both quote unquote systems that we see yeah. and can probably look and say, neither one of them. Yeah. And don't go down to slavery and all of that. That's a whole, right. you yeah. know, how you treat family. Oh, that's good family values right there. Really? Really? <laughs> Really? <laughs> so, really? Yeah. so anyway, I'm re- I'm reading all that, and I'm trying to think in my mind. It's like you know, there's so many layers to what's going on, and we at times try to oversimplify it. it seems to me Dude. like truce is trying to peel back some of that simplicity. Yeah, and that's that's the goal. And I mean, like I said, one I have a real beef with that word unprecedented, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, because I think it it um, it scares a lot of people because they think because it's used all the time in the news. Um, the, everything is precedented. Look at again. We were just talking about a plague in uh, in the Old Testament. Plagues are very much precedented and very much a part of human life and human history. Um, financial crises, especially in the United States, we get them every ten to fifteen years. Uh, you see the the patterns or less we are, or less. Sometimes they're around sevenish. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we we are surprised every single time. Um, and uh, uh, there's a phrase that uh, I've heard that uh, um, like it'll never happen again, or it can't happen again because our economy is so strong. Yeah. It's it always happens. It's it's a part of the natural cycle of human life. Yeah. And when we get caught up in that, we when we get surprised by those things, we we forget. We forget God's uh, mercy in these things, and we forget the way that the world actually works, you know. Um, and I think that's unfortunate. I think it's one of the things that uh, has been really lousy about this disease is that people are losing perspective of what human history really looks like. Yeah. Um, because they, it's easier to be scared. Right. It's much harder to to try to keep things in perspective. Um, but if you look at sort of those rises and falls in human history, um, it can be comforting. Um, even I mean. We, we lament now the, the decline of the American Christian church because number attendance numbers are going down, but we are much higher now than we were in 1910. Hmm. Uh, we just don't like to look at that <laughs> because uh, there are, it's a rise and fall thing. And it, uh, we, it's easier for us to be afraid and get people afraid yeah. than to keep perspective that God will, God will create another awakening. You know, God will have another revival. You just got to be patient, be steadfast. And uh, don't panic, as they say in the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, don't panic. <laughs> I read that recently, so it's cool. All right, last controversial yeah. question, and then a few lighter Ooh. ones to finish up. 
Okay. The season that you're in right now, and it sounds like it's going to be continuing into probably when yeah. the actual podcast releases and, and, yeah. and to the end of 2020. Yeah. yeah. Ooh, that's going to be awesome then. All right. So then here's my question for you is America a Christian nation or God's chosen nation in the times we're in, or I'm going to flip it around something I read recently is America mystery Babylon that's talked about in Revelation 17. Oh, see, I can't speak to that last one. I have no idea. Uh, you know, unless the Lord tells me, I can't specifically say uh, for some of those things. Uh, that, well, you do um, go into the founding yeah. fathers and there's a lot, the founding fathers, a lot yeah. of people right now say, oh, they were all Christians and they, you know, talked oh, right. about Jesus all yeah. the time. And you, you kind of uncover some things there that yeah. might change I, I some minds. I interviewed a really interesting guy. He's a professor at the Masters University in California. Um, his name is Greg Fraser. And uh, he studied what the, the founding fathers wrote in their private correspondence. And he found that the core eight founding fathers uh, were neither deists, as some people would claim, and not, not Christians either. Mm. Um, because deists believe that um, uh, God started the world, created it, and then walked away. Yeah. Um, Christians. Uh, believe that God is very much involved in then Jesus, his son, and that's the way to salvation. The founding fathers, those core eight, uh, Jefferson, Hamilton, uh, Franklin, uh, Washington, those guys, um, they they believe that God was involved in humanity, but that Jesus was not God uh, or mm. that Jesus was not our salvation. And that is not Christianity either. Um, so it's hard to make the case that that um, that the United States is a Christian nation right. because of the founding fathers. Right. So that's point one. The we're going to get into soon is um, the laws of the United States. You look at the laws of the Bible. The the main ones are like love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, spirit, all that, and then uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Neither of those is written into the law of the United States. Um, uh, they're just not there. Uh, there's no law against uh, cursing the Holy Spirit. Uh, which is the only unforgivable law. There's no law against honoring your father or mother. Um, so you look at the laws, it's not there in, in the, um, so what we have in the United States, I understand the motivation to want to have the United States be Christian uh, because you see, especially in the old Testament, as they're creating the nation of Israel before your eyes, as you read it, right. um, they are dedicating it to God. And it happens over and over and over again. They are dedicating the nation to God. Um, but uh, the reality of this situation is um, it is, is you can have those show pieces, but that does not make it a, a Christian nation, you know, and it doesn't make it a nation of Christians. Uh, which is is actually to me a much more important thing. Right. Uh, I w if I was if I was going to live in the two, one of the two, a, a Christian nation or a nation of Christians, I would want to live in a nation of Christians, because that means people are actually saved, and it's not just something we say. Uh, as you'll see, um, in God we trust, um, being on our money. Um, uh, or is it One Nation Under God? I can't remember right now. These are totally episode wrong. titles. These are episode titles, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the Pledge of Allegiance didn't have uh, um, Under God in it um, until uh, the 50s. Uh, 60 years after it was written. Mm -hmm. um, and it was written by a Christian socialist, by the way. And uh, um, a lot of that stuff kind of came into power, uh, into play in the Eisenhower administration. Uh, so kind of late uh, into the United States. Um, 
and they're showpieces. Yeah, the, the, a lot of the national monuments or the monuments we have to the Ten Commandments in the United States were put up as a way to advertise for the movie, The Ten Commandments, um, <laughs> which is something we're going to get into. Char- Charlton, Charlton, Charlton Heston as Moses, yeah. which... Yeah. Let's come on. Let's don't go into that casting, but that's all. We won't go into that. Yeah. (laughs) But you you see, I I understand the desire to say the United States is a Christian nation um, because it is much easier for us to call people to a heritage than to a radical faith. Yeah. You know, um, but that heritage doesn't save. Yeah. That's the main distinction. Uh, It's like having, you can go to it. Like that old saying is you can, uh, sleep in a a garage but it doesn't make you a car you know well going to church doesn't make you a christian being in a christian nation does not make you a christian voting a certain way or or doing certain certain things yeah yeah, yeah. Um, but that's sort of the way we're trying to create and my my main fear my main concern is that um the actions that the united states takes whether they be good or evil will then reflect back on Christianity. And they do all the time. Um, when I have conversations with non-Christians, frequently I'm not talking about the Bible. They're asking me about the United States, um, which should be a red flag. The United States is not Christianity. Yeah, and, um, and listen, we're, we're, we're pushing the time that I like to try to stick to, but we, we <laughs> as the US, we, we pump that out everywhere. We spent some time in Australia and we don't watch Australian television or any of those. But they have it there all over. We send our missionaries out to carry our Americanized gospel to other places. You don't have anybody coming into America to bring in something else. So not only is what we're doing interesting, but we are sharing it all over the place, too. So it's one of the reasons why we need to question it. Are are we thinking correctly? Right. Yeah. Cause we are, we are, as part of our missionary efforts, we are exporting, um, Americanism, mm-hmm. which I'm, I'm, I love being an American, but that is not the gospel. Um, so there, there are tribes that people have been sent to where they try to teach tribes who have absolutely no concept of what time is. Right. And they, they spend a lot of their time trying to teach them time management skills. Yeah. How to show up on a but, Sunday morning at 11 with your suit so that we can do three yeah. songs and, and, do a service because that's what we're supposed to do. <laughs> right. That's, I mean, it's nice. I mean, I love being on time. If you ask my brother, he can tell you I'm a little bit neurotic. I'd love to be early to things, All but right. <laughs> um, uh, that is not the gospel. You know, the gospel, our main mission yes. is to share the love that Jesus died for our sins. And I don't have to be burdened with those sins anymore if I trust in him. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, since you're not going to answer my Revelation 17 question, we'll <laughs> go not, ahead uh, and we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, <laughs> how, how can people connect with you and, you know, give us all the specs for where they mm-hmm. can find you and and find yeah. the podcast and we'll include those in the notes, but go ahead and give that to us verbally. Yeah. So um, you can find uh, Truce anywhere you get podcasts or at trucepodcast.com. And again, that's T-R-U-C-E. It sounds very much like truths, but it's actually T-R-U-C-E. And uh, we're on social media at Truce Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And uh, if you'd like to reach out to me, it's uh, trucepodcast at yahoo.com. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Chris. What's next for you? Just short-term, long-term, whatever. What's next? Yeah. Well, um, my goal, I've been praying about this, is I would love to reach 1,000 listeners by the end of the summer. 
Um, and so that's going to take a lot of people sharing the show with their friends. Um, cause I, like I've said, I'm not a great marketer. Um, but I, I just, that would be huge for me. So that's, that's my goal right now. Trying to get the show above a thousand. Good. Well, I encourage everyone listening to this show and, and for them to share and spread and go listen, subscribe. And, and there are a lot of interesting metrics in podcast world. There's downloads and subscribes listeners. And, and, and I think what you meant by that is you want regular, a thousand listeners for each episode, right? Yeah. Yeah. Thousand, yeah. A thousand downloads per episode. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. So, all right. Well, That'd thank awesome. you for that. Hey, Chris, the title of our podcast is seek, go create. And yeah. I always like to ask people as we wrap, which word jumps out at you and why? Oh, I, I think seek, um, that, cause that's, that's some of the hardest work we can do. Uh, we're pretty, I'm, I'm a, a bit of a workaholic, uh, and, uh, I, grew up in a family where we were go, go, go. So the go is very much a part of me. Um, but uh, I often, I think, have that danger of going before I seek. Um, and I think a lot of the work is done in that early stage. Um, so uh, that's the one that pops out at me. Enjoy the seeking phase. Uh, it can be frustrating and difficult because you want to go, uh, but enjoy the seeking. Yeah. Excellent. Chris, Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks I, for having me. I appreciate what you're doing and I encourage you. I've told you this. I encourage you to keep going. I'm going to try Thanks. to help in whatever way I can and I also want our audience to do that. I really appreciate you taking the time to share with, share with us today. If you would like to continue the conversation, we encourage you as a listener and welcome you to do that. Go to our website, seekgocreate.com. That's seek gocreate.com to comment on this specific episode, or you can contact us through the, through the website. Also, you can also find us and communicate, comment, have conversation on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. All of those, we are seek, go create at that. And of course, if you're on any of those channels, you're welcome to comment and agree, disagree, put the old scowly face, whatever you'd like to do. We welcome that and love to have the conversation. Thank you again for joining us. We look forward to connecting with you on the Seek Go Create podcast in the near future.